From Vistio, this is recorded for Quality Assurance. A show where we talk to the world's leading CX experts about industry trends, CX technology, and transforming customer support into a streamlined strategic advantage for your business. Welcome to CXQA Live, where we discuss the role the agent plays in creating successful CX call center operations. We want to remind you, of course, that we are being recorded for Quality Assurance, which is the name of our podcast that we make out of the time that we spend together each Tuesday at noon Eastern. And uh, on CXQA Live, we believe agents are the single most important asset in CX. Agents with the right training tools and connection with, with your company are going to be a revenue growth and protection center for your business and brand. They're going to be the best diagnostic tool that you have for your business. And they're going to ensure that your customers are satisfied and connected. They're going to produce more and better work. And they're going to want to stay and contribute to the long-term success of your company. And this is what we call the agent-centric contact center philosophy. Now, this week on the show, we're delighted to have with us Dave Seaton from Seaton CX. Welcome, Dave. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, man. So Dave works with B2B companies to measure, manage, and improve customer experiences through his consulting firm, Seaton CX. And Dave recently launched a new piece of content, a new, uh, is it weekly, Dave? Is it weekly email? It's weekly. And it's called CXpresso. So... You know, I, I'm a big coffee guy. I'm sitting here having a little job of myself. Tell us about CXpresso, what it is, where you got the idea from, and what you hope it will do. So CXpresso is the weekly email for brave CX leaders, where we talk about how to score buy-in, how to spur executives to action, how to cultivate a customer-centric culture, how to wrench your funding from the jaws of budget cuts, all without arguing, begging, or feeling like a deep-fried politician. So we are talking about not all the technical part of CX, journey maps and surveys and call center automation technology, we're talking about the leadership side, leadership, influence, emotional intelligence, changing culture. And the reason I wanted to have that conversation is because this idea of getting buy-in for CX is so prevalent. Everybody talks about how to get buy-in, what happens when you don't have buy-in, but the advice that's traditionally out there is two things. It's uh, make friends with your finance team or CFO so that you can show the ROI of your initiative and connect your CX metrics to the metrics that other leaders already care about. So if you're trying to influence the customer support leader who cares about first call resolution or average handle time, Right, You can show how the CX metrics connect back to improving those. And that's good advice, but they don't tell you how to do it. How do you get attention from your CFO or your finance partner? And then how do you influence people who have their own goals and their own objectives 
to make CX a priority. So those are the things I wanted to explore in CXpresso. Been doing it now for uh, about six weeks and uh, there's been a, a really great response. So it seems to be resonating with people. I mean, I've received it myself and, you know, I personally appreciate content that has some teeth in it, if you know what I mean. You know, so much out there that comes from consultants or that's just B2B content, it's uh, the headline is intended to say, hey, we can help you solve something. But then when you get into the content itself, it's like a thousand other you know, articles or emails you've already read before, the same advice, the same, like you said, kind of, yes, we should get buy-in. Okay. But how do you actually go about that and, and dealing with the messy interpersonal, political, fiscal dynamics that exist within organizations and actually moving the ball forward and improving, not just some of the the typical metrics, but improving the overall business outcomes, right? That come about. Um, there there really isn't a whole lot of talk about the nitty gritty of that, and that's that's what I've appreciated about CXpresso uh, so far myself. It is edgy, in the sense that you're not attempting to make anyone uh, feel warm and fuzzy about what they're already doing, so much as to challenge preconceived notions of how these kind of conversations are are going on. And there's also a reflective element of it too, that I really like where you, you're kind of calling people to ask themselves, you know, are you really prepared for this conversation? Have you really thought through what your actual goals should be and the milestones in between? Now you mentioned just a second ago, buy-in as a key theme of CXpress. So you talk about buy-in a lot. You actually define buy-in a little bit differently than a lot of people do. A lot of people talk about buy-in and they're just talking about people verbally agreeing to the project or the budget or the strategy. But you you talk about buy-in a little bit differently. So Dave, I'd love for you just to kind of explain organizational buy-in as it relates to positive change initiatives in CX. Yeah, so I dislike the term buy-in, but and mini CX lesson here, it's the term the industry uses. So speak the language of your customers, right? So people are talking about buy-in, so that's the word I'm using. But I actually, I don't think buy-in is enough to create change. Hmm. If buy-in were enough to create change, then New Year's resolutions would have a 100% success rate. I mean, think about it. Everybody's bought in on January 1st, but then so many of those resolutions, we don't carry through with it. And so I actually think of buy-in as, as one step along the journey of CX engagement. And, uh, and you mentioned organizational buy-in. Organizational buy-in is individual buy-in. There is no organizational brain that's bought in or not. It's all of the individuals along the way that have uh, an influence or an ability to affect your success. And so I think of each individual along this, these steps, are they ignorant about CX? Do they do they not understand that CX is, is a discipline, it's a practice, there's a methodology? 
just like project management, just like Lean Six Sigma, it's a business discipline. Do they simply not understand? And if somebody's in the ignorance phase, then you don't want to go and ask for commitment of time, money, and people. Your goal is simply to educate and inform. The second step along the way is skepticism. And that's you can think of that as, well, is CX right for me? You know, now I understand that it's a discipline, it's a methodology, but will it solve my problem? Will it actually deliver financial ROI? And so a stakeholder in that skepticism stage, uh, you approach a little differently. Stage three, I think, is buy-in. And in our you know New Year's resolution analogy, um, buy-ins the new year's resolution stage you know yes i'm gonna exercise in 2023 great but you haven't actually done it so then what comes next beyond buy-in stage four is commitment that's where you're buying the gym membership hiring the personal trainer you're actually doing something in CX, you're committing time, money, or people towards advancing the customer experience. And then the final stage is action. That's where you're actually climbing on the elliptical or the exercise bike or putting in the reps, you're actually doing something. And I think we think of each of our stakeholders in one of those five phases and we've got to get them to the action phase if we're actually going to make changes in our companies to be more customer centric and to have the, the better business outcomes that we know CX can deliver. That was really strong. Um, you know, I think that that reality of the, you know, the New Year's resolution, you know, check back February 15th, right? <laughs> Check back the day after Valentine's Day and see how it's going. See, see if we're still seeing buy-in as it's typically, you know, defined. And I like that you don't see buy-in as an accurate descriptor of the whole process. It's it's the intellectual agreement part of the process. It's the part where we say, yes, we get it and we want to commit to it, but we haven't yet committed to it. Right. Mm -hmm. You you can't really be saying commitment is there until you start to see action until time and money and resources are being put behind something you know hiring the personal trainer getting the gym membership you know was your your parallel there and, and i think it's a really good analogy in that sense one of the difficulties of course with organizational change is how diverse the perspectives are within the organization and if there is no as you put it organizational single mind where you just push the one button and then everybody's all in. Instead, you really are almost guiding multiple stakeholders along this multi-part process on their own timeline on some level, right? And I think one of the difficulties that a lot of CX organizations have is that they have people that help to govern them that aren't CX practitioners themselves, right? And so the education component is fraught with additional difficulty and variables because, you know, in, in the case of a C-suite leader, for example, they don't live CX every day. And we always talk about 
how amazing it is when the CEO comes down to the call floor and, and takes a call or, or actually just spends some time with agents that are dealing with customers all the time because of what they're able to learn. But unfortunately, that's kind of the exception and not the rule. So when it comes to the educational aspect, you know, oftentimes CX organizations are fighting an uphill battle there, right? Because the people that they really need to educate, they really need to educate almost from scratch about, you know, how the daily expenditures and moments in the CX world relate to the longer term business outcomes that the C-suite want to see. It's, I think it's helpful to break it down into a few more parts and the way that you're, you're defining it, um, I think most people will find helpful. Now, we focus, of course, on the agent here in CXQA Live. And, and you know, I, I've, I always talk about this, but I've spent some time in some Facebook groups that are just CX agents across the world. And, you know, it's, it's very interesting. I, I've learned a lot just from listening to these folks talk in their safe space to one another and and support each other, commiserate, uh, give each other advice. And I think a lot of CX leaders would benefit from spending time in places like that. And we're actually all about elevating and amplifying the voice of the agent or the VOA, as we like to say. Uh, That's our new hashtag, by the way, VOA. But specifically when it comes to this question of organizational change initiatives, right? If all of these components aren't working in concert together, if the true organizational full commitment and follow through, and if you're not getting past Valentine's Day and still going to the gym, right? Mm-hmm. The agent and the customer suffer because now we've gotten part of the way down this change initiative and we're not in that follow through and full long-term commitment mode. So tell us a little bit about your perspective on that scenario, right? How, how does that negatively impact an agent? When the leadership is not aligned, everybody feels it. If you've got, uh, you know, competing priorities in the organization, Everybody feels that tension. They feel that conflict. I had a VP of CX for um, a big company tell me, he kind of threw up his hands. He said, well, you know, that VP of ops didn't prioritize training. So our CX didn't improve. That guy had buy-in, but when it came down to that VP of ops actually choosing Okay, what am I going to do this week? Am I going to work on the training or am I going to put out fires? The training got pushed to the side of the desk. It got pushed over towards the wastebasket of failed corporate initiatives. And, you know, at the end of the year, that VP of CX didn't have anything to show for it. He had a great plan, but he didn't have action. And so for the agents, everybody feels that conflict And so one of the things, you know, what we're really talking about on CXpresso is these ideas of leadership, building executive alignment, bringing people together around a common vision, and then executing on that vision. And, you know, what's the benefit for the agent when they see clarity of vision across the executive team? 
and sales, customer support, product are all talking about the same goals. What's the benefit to the agent when they see alignment on the leadership? And, you know, at the corporate town hall, the CX guy stands up and talks about training and then the VP of ops actually does it, right? What's the benefit to the agent when they see that unity across the leadership? And I think those are the cultural elements that create great places to work. Yeah. You know, uh, that steer us away from the, those toxic cultures of, you know, infighting and misalignment and, and, you know, it, it can get really bad on the executive teams and everybody feels it when it does. So these are, you know, the tools that I hope to empower CX leaders with to go create that change, to bring people together, um, to get clarity, to get alignment and to, and to create unity. One of the, the things you mentioned was each leader is on their own journey of CX engagement, you know, figuring out, you know, from ignorance to skepticism, to buy-in, to commitment, to action, each leader's on a different journey. And so as the person trying to bring about the change, you need to understand that and you need to give them time to go on that journey. You know, likely your journey wasn't an overnight journey. You didn't learn about CX one day and then you know, the next day you had it all figured out and you were ready to go execute. Like you took time to go on that journey and your stakeholders also need time to go on their own journeys. You can also think about, um, you know, this idea of the adopter curve, like when a new technology comes out, right? You've got early adopters. Mm -hmm. that are going to be the first one in line at the Apple store for the new iPhone. And then the next group of people is going to wait to see how the early adopters react to the new thing. And then, you know, you hit the mass of the bell curve and everybody's buying it. And then at the end, you've got people who are the late adopters, right? Like my, uh, I remember my parents told me one time, they're like, yeah, we just, we don't see a need for texting. We will never be texters. Well, now they text me every day, right? <laughs> but they were they were late adopters on texting back when we had you know the T nine entry on our little Nokia phones and stuff. So your your CX leaders they're going to go through that adoption curve too, and you're going to have you have some stakeholders who will be early adopters. You're going to have others who will be those late adopters. Most people will be in the middle. But one of the best things that you can do is nurture those early adopters and welcome them into the fold, treat them like equals, celebrate their success. And, and you know, really it's those early followers that build the momentum for the rest of the company. So uh, you definitely want to be mindful of that. No, that's good stuff. I, I was reading a post in one of those Facebook groups last week where, you know, there was a, a, a big announcement across this large BPO that we're going to make, you know, this particular metric growth and improvement as a goal. And this was done in all the official company internal channels and, and all of that. And so 
you know, just a, an hour later, all the agents were in their team huddles and nobody mentioned anything about what the CEO had just said at the all hands meeting. Right. And so the, the effect of that was that the agents not only were frustrated because the thing that the CEO had been talking about made sense to them. It was, it was like, you know, yes, we do need to work on this. This makes good sense. But then it was almost like there was no connection with regard to the, the actual function of the company with this, you know, idea. And, and so then you start to wonder as an agent, you know, did these guys just tell us what they think we want to hear and then just continue on with business as usual. So, you know, talking about the right things with no intent to follow through and commit and make it happen actually is worse than not talking about it at all, you know, because it, it, it has a couple of negative side effects, including undermining the confidence that the employees have in the leaders. But, you know, when you talk about that learning curve, even if everybody does understand and everybody is committed to growing and going on that journey, it's not something that happens overnight, right? You know, and depending on the industry that you're serving or that you're a part of, there may be even other roadblocks to that growth curve having any, you know, acceleration or or having the speed that it makes sense, especially to the CX practitioner that's in that, you know, role. Because to them, it's like, well, obviously the, you know, happy cows make happy milk. We want to have a good CX, but that might not be so obvious or uh, be such a clear connection to positive business outcomes or how to do it is not clear. And so that's where I think your your viewpoint of nurturing the journey for stakeholders, understanding that every stakeholder within the organization is their own autonomous person, right? And they, they know what they know, they've experienced what they've experienced, and they they believe in what they believe in professionally. And so, you know, you really want them to go on those journeys to learn and grow and understand in their own way so that they're not just somebody who gives verbal buy-in and says, yes, uh, yes, we can do that because they feel the pressure. You want somebody who really believes in it and who is on that journey of it becoming their own thing in their own minds, not just being told what to do. Yeah, that's definitely ideal. And, you know, depending on the individual, it can, can be a multi-year project to get them there. But yeah, that alignment is critical. And I think it's funny because, you know, alignment is almost a a business buzzword at this point, right? Mm -hmm. Because it makes so much sense. It's almost like cliches are cliches because they make a lot of sense to a lot of people and they tend to stick around, right? Um, You know, buzzwords can be the same way. Alignment can be something that we say. Alignment can be something that we talk about. But actual functional, real living alignment between any set of human beings in any context, be it professional or personal or whatever, is actually something that's hard to accomplish. It is. It is. And many times, even in a, a functional, healthy team culture, you're still going to have conflict because people have different values. Yeah. I am a risk taker. So when I was a single guy, when I was a bachelor, I bought the cheapest health insurance plan that was offered. Now, I met the woman I'm now married to, and she is risk adverse. So from her perspective, from her values, she bought the gold plan. 
because she never wanted to be in a situation where she would need health insurance and you know wouldn't have that cushion there yeah so when we got married and we and and we you know merged our households we had to pick one the cheap plan or the expensive plan and we had different values and neither value was right or wrong right i can't say risk taking is better than stability she can't say stability is better than risk taking she just have different values and so we had to figure out a compromise that compromise was we would buy the cheap plan and the difference we'd put that in savings every month so we would build up a cushion in case we ever needed it then we would have it and her needs were met and my needs were met and we had a great plan and it worked out for us but in you know in our in our leadership teams we need to understand that sometimes the conflict comes not from uh, a rational you know this won't work or or this is a better way to do it but from those value mis misalignments where people have different values um i worked with somebody one time who you know we had this big organizational problem and i was very focused on solving it let's go out let's you know let's take a risk let's solve this problem let's deliver the results to the company uh it'll be it'll be a great project and my stakeholder was coming from a di very different perspective she was exhausted hmm. and she didn't want the spotlight and you know her her values of um a stable low risk work situation where she could manage the escalations and not be surprised not take risks that may impact her career um it was a very different headspace than i was in and so uh you know those are the kind of challenges that you'll you'll have to figure out how to navigate and those are the those are the kind of things i think are really interesting and that's what i want to talk about on cxpresso is how do you navigate those relationships with other people who are you know stuffed with emotions and hidden motivations and pride and jealousy and fear and all of those things that we bring to work that nobody talks about but absolutely impact our ability to have that clarity that alignment and that unity towards our, our our cx objectives no it's really good i mean we we all have past work traumas too you know that you know we we fall into a situation that feels eerily similar to some past traumatic work situation and it takes a lot to overcome that and so you know, change makers, as uh, our friend Jim likes to say, um, you know, are, are are people who understand all those dynamics that you just mentioned and can bring people to that journey alignment to where we're all buying in, not just in theory, but in action and follow through and, and vision casters. And certainly the best business leaders historically have not been those who know how to get a lot done themselves but know how to cast a vision for what we're all going to get done together and to get multiple different types of people, 
you know, the engineers and the, the bean counters and the salespeople and the agents who talk to customers to get all those disparate types of people working in concert together towards a common goal in a way that they all feel their part. They feel good about their part. They agree and understand and are really focused on where they're all going together. Those are the, the historically the best business leaders that uh, are out there in, in the books. So, well, I, you know, we're going to close out our time because we, we always try to stay right to a half hour, but I cannot recommend Expresso enough. And when we post the content from today, we'll be sure to I- include the link on how someone can sign up to get that content. But I want to thank you for being with us today, Dave. Um, it's really great to hear some of your ideas. And I know there's a lot more that I'd love to unpack with you in future episodes. And uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to do that. But thank you again for being with us today. Thank you. It's been great. All right. I hope everyone has a great Tuesday. Let's go make a difference in our worlds. To listen to a recording of this and other episodes, visit vistio.io forward slash podcasts. And to join our show live each week, go to vistio.io forward slash CX live.